her. And these three words, I forgive you. You know, how much, how much guilt does, do people live under when you stop to think about it? Um, and uh, just the fact that we're made in the image of God and, and the fact that we're, uh, <clears throat> we, we have a conscience, um, there's a lot of guilt that people uh, wear, if you will, or they carry around with them. And some of that guilt and some of that uh, uh, struggle that they have is in relationships because most of, if you, I mean, when you stop to think about it, most of our life is lived in a relationship, not only with God vertically, but horizontally. And that horizontal relationship, I think, sometimes doesn't re very much reflect the kind of vertical relationship we have with God as it relates to forgiveness. And so uh, the parables we've been going through have been really intended to kind of give us, a. it's kind of like God, Jesus is pulling back the curtain and showing us a little bit more about the kingdom of God. And so that's what we're going to be looking at in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. Jesus gives another parable, and he's been emphasizing this from the very beginning on his teaching on the kingdom of God. And so uh, he does that here in Matthew chapter um, 18. And, uh, and this is really, in some ways, a summary of what he's been doing all through his ministry. And so we're going to look at this in Matthew 18. And uh, we're looking at this specific parable. Uh, oh, don't have to talk as well now. Um, beginning with verse 21. But notice this parable is the setting of the parable is this, is that Peter's asking a question. And the reason he's asking this question is because this is a question that all the disciples have been dealing with. In fact, if you read chapter 18, what's, what's the, what was the big discussion? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Yeah, you know, a bunch of guys getting together and what did they do? Well, who's going to be on the right side and left side? And who's going to sit beside Jesus? And, and who's going to be on his left side? And, and, and who, I mean, hey, we're the, we're the three chosen ones, Peter, John, and James, remember? They're the one inner circle, and I'm sure they're thinking, well, you know, we deserve to, to get, you know, kind of get a little closer to Jesus. And so there's this constant friction in relationships. <laughs> Are you ever surprised at that? No. <laughs> I mean, given the fact that we live in a world that's fractured, and in that fracturing of the world, there's relationships that are fractured. And so Jesus wants to deal with this problem, and the way he addresses it, I think, is, is really intentional, intentional, very intentional, because he wants to drive home one main point in this parable, okay? And we're going to look at that as we read it. But notice with us, and we're going to read beginning with verse 21, and hear these words from God's holy and errant infallible word, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to set, settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. 
By the way, 100 denarii is four months' wages. Wages. You know, there was a you made a denarii a day typically, and so a uh, hundred would be about three and a half, four months. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, "Pay what you owe." So his fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you." He refused, and he went out and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what he had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his, ma his master delivered him to the, the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And may the Lord add his blessing to his word as we look at this parable on forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for the word this morning. And I know it's uh, something that is so important in the Christian life. And uh, Father, we uh, confess, and I confess personally, Lord, that so uh, this is a hard, this is a very hard uh, and difficult thing that we struggle with in the Christian life. Uh, Father, we're prone to uh, be very excited about the fact that we have been forgiven. Uh, but, Father, we are very prone to, uh, Father, be very exacting in our relationships with others and very unforgiving. And so, Father, we ask that you would take these truths of your word. And, uh, Lord, I just ask personally that you would plow our hearts, that you would plow my heart, but you would, by your spirit, plow our hearts with with a tenderness and with a sensitivity to uh, the reality that, uh, Father, that being a citizen of the kingdom of God is, is really about uh, working through our forgiveness issues. Uh, dealing with those, Father, biblically, dealing with those in a way that brings glory and honor and praise to Christ. Uh, Father, uh, a testimony to the world that truly something has taken place that is far beyond anything we can think or even imagine. And so we just ask you for your ministry to each heart here this morning. Father, for those that can't be here, uh, Lord, for those that are traveling for safety, uh, for those who, uh, Father, are struggling with health issues and uh, whatever it is, Father, discouragement. Uh, Father, I pray that the word would be very precious to all of us this morning as we think about how we relate uh, to your forgiveness of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a uh, three neurologists uh, did a study on the brain. And in this study, they uh, they were trying to understand uh, how strong emotion, especially unforgiveness or, or maybe uh, how vengeance uh, works in people's lives and the effect that it has on the brain. And they found uh, through their uh, their study that uh, the body gives off a toxic chemical when uh, uh, that it releases that affects the brain when we are when we hold bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart and they, they called these things uh, they call them burned out neurons or emotional black holes and uh, they said that these empty spaces in the brain however can they said that you know that that are produced by anger and unforgiveness it says that they, they found that it's possible for the brain to grow new nerve cells that could fill the black holes. 
And you never, you'll never guess what the primary means that these researchers found as bringing the most healing and, uh, to those black holes. It's forgiveness. And the question is, how hard is it to forgive? I know it's easy for me to think of when, when I've done wrong, forgive. <laughs> uh, but normally, why do we say we don't even use that word with other people? Have you ever had somebody who's really hurt you or maybe just did something that was wrong? What do we typically say? I'm sorry. I apologize. But you know, that's different than forgiveness, isn't it? An apology is actually a defense. It's an excuse. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's, it's what, we would, we, what we would say is it's a way of trying to justify what we've done. I, I remember one person would, would come when he would do something wrong. He would say, I'm sorry you feel that way. Now, that is kind of a backhanded slap in the face, isn't it? <laughs> because it's like, well, it's your feelings that are the problem, you know, and, and we struggle with that. Uh, but how hard was it for the disciples themselves? They're struggling with this because Jesus has been teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, which is right at the beginning when he called the disciples. What did he say? One of the, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts, what? As we forgive those who have sinned against us. And so they've heard Jesus say this several times. In fact, when, remember when Jesus would heal somebody? Remember the paralytic? What did he say to the man before he said, you're healed? Or he actually didn't even say that. He said, son, you're what? Your sins are forgiven. Or uh, remember the, um, uh, the woman in, I think, Luke 7, when it says that she was forgiven. The Lord says, woman, thy sins are forgiven. Um, and so there was this, uh, there's, there's, there's teaching that Jesus had and the disciples are struggling with that because at the very center, at the very heart of the kingdom of God and your relationship with God is a bloody cross. And on that bloody cross hung a broken king who then receives us after we made payment, right? No, that's not what the Bible says, is it? He made payment. <laughs> In other words, he paid the cost for us to be received graciously and forgiven. And so what we have in this parable is that Jesus is trying to teach the disciples about what it means to forgive. Because I think that most people, if you look at, you look at, I mean, I can look back at my life and I can see the most difficult times in my Christian life have been where I have had a hard time forgiving people. Um, and that's what Jesus is dealing with because Peter comes to him. And he says, Lord, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to really, uh, I need, I need to ask you this question. How many times am I obligated to forgive? And he's very, and, and you listen to Peter and he says up to seven times. And you're going like, wow, Peter's really getting it, isn't he? Seven times. Have you ever had a person who sinned against you seven times and you've forgiven them seven times? First time's easier, easy. The second time's a little more difficult. The third time is hard. By the fourth time, you're going like, I don't think he's very sincere. <laughs> and by the seventh time, you're thinking, there's no way on this planet that that person is going to deserve any forgiveness from me. But how does Jesus respond? 
Because he, I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of, you you you're thinking like big-hearted Peter, and, and he's thinking for a slap on the back, and he's thinking like, you know, Jesus, come on. Yeah, Peter, you really got this. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, 70 times 7. Not just seven times, but seven was the perfect number of perfection, but 10 was the number of completion. And Jesus says, just multiply that by 10. That's, and then multiply that by seven. <laughs> and he's not saying you should forgive up to 490 times. What he's saying is that there's not, there's not a limit to forgiveness. And you're going like, now wait there. That doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound right to us, right? It, 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 in other words, Jesus is saying there is no limit to forgiveness. And then he's going to, He's going to explain what he's, what he's saying. Now, what Jesus is not saying is he's not talking about social justice warriors that we're talking about today. He's not talking about, um, for, for example, we might take this, this parable out of context and we say, well, what Jesus is talking about means that we should go around and we should just open all the prisons and let everybody out. He's not talking about social justice here. Okay, so that's not the issue. What he is talking about is he's talking about relationships between brothers and sisters, right? Because notice he's saying this, Jesus, he's been talking about this right in the, the, the passage right before this. If your brother sins against you, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go to your brother and you should point out the sin. And it says if the brother won't hear you, then you take other people. And then if they won't hear them, then you take the matter to the church. And then the church has to deal with the matter. And then Peter asked the question, well, then how many times do I have to forgive him? As many times as the person comes and confesses his sin and repents and confesses the sin and you're obligated to forgive. And so Jesus is really talking about this, this, this horizontal relationship in which we have struggles forgiving one another in the body of Christ. I mean, take, take your basic husband-wife relationship and if you, uh, you kind of just... You look at all the different, you know, the different things that happen in marriage. And the one thing that, that I think that people forget is that when they're struggling in a marriage, what happens is that when they come to marriage, a marriage counselor or they come to premarital counseling or marriage counseling, is they will come and, and the first thing they do is they start, you say, what's the problem? And they say, well, it's her. And she says, no, it's him. <laughs> And, and immediately what happens is then that, and you say, well, can you get, what, what do you mean? And they pull out a list. Well, uh, on, on such and such a date, <laughs> and then they, they can flip through their memo book and it's usually pretty thick. I've actually had a, a, a lady do this. I mean, I said, well, what's wrong with, uh, and I, I won't tell you the name of the person, but, but anyway, what, what, what's your husband? Well, let me, like she had a little book there, and she just started. And, of course, he did the same thing with her. And what's the problem? The problem is that, that there's this tendency as a, as a believer is that we want to do what? We want to keep track. We want, to re, we want a record. We keep the bookkeeping department open. It's 24-7. We record everything because we don't want to forget anything, Right? So what happens in those marriage counseling things is that it's called, uh, they throw the kitchen sink at each other. Everything you ever did and said and I thought of, I'm going to throw that at you. 
And the same thing happens on the other side. And they throw it back. And what happens? I mean, you start throwing the kitchen sink back and forth. That's all a pretty big mess, right? <laughs> I mean, well, well, Peter is, is struggling with this because I think Peter is a picture of the struggle that we have in the Christian life. It really is. It's a, it's a struggle that we have. And the model that God gives us on forgiveness is not how somebody else forgives, but he says how he forgives, right? I mean, think about it. Ephesians 4.32, this is what it says. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as what? God in Christ forgave you. So the model or, the, or you might say the, 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 the model that we follow is the forgiveness that we've received from God is the same forgiveness in the way that we should forgive other people. So what happens when God says, I will remember your sins no more? He says that in uh, Isaiah 43, I think it's verse, later on in verse, so at the end of uh, Isaiah 43. Uh, he says in, in Psalm 103, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your sins from you. Uh, he says it uh, in Micah, he says, I'll throw your sins into the depths of the sea not to remember anymore. So when God forgets or God doesn't remember our sins, he's making a declaration to us that he'll never bring those sins up ever again. Can God forget anything? No, he's omniscient. So when God tells us to forgive, God, by the way, it's not saying I won't remember what somebody's done. But like God, we are to make a promise not to bring those things up again. If that person, if we've forgiven them, by the way. I mean, think about it. Uh, that means you won't bring them up to yourself. So, for example, if you've got a little book that you keep wrongs in, <laughs> most of us don't have to do that, right? Because, man, I mean, I don't, I don't, I forget all kinds of good things that people have done. But you know one thing I don't forget? That's stuff that people do to you. I don't like. I mean, I'm going to remember that. I mean, I remember that. I, I, you know, when I was five years old, you remember, <laughs> you have your kids say that, you know, they say, Mom, you know, you did this when I was, and, and there's like, why did they remember that? I can't even remember anymore. I don't remember saying that to you. Uh, you, you it's just that human, that, so, so really what Jesus is doing is he's really, he's really pulling back the curtain and showing us our human condition. Apart from grace. And apart from God's forgiveness and God's love and mercy, we tend to be very vindictive in our thinking. And, and, and so what the, the sin that kind of lurks in the, in the kind of like in the, you know, you think about uh, it kind of lurks in the shadows is this, is we tend to forget that God has been merciful to us. And when we do that, what happens to our horizontal relationships? They get skewed. They get twisted. And we become kind of dark in a way. We, we become, man, I don't just get back. I get even. You know, you've heard that. You've heard that before. But so Jesus is giving this parable. And the reason he's giving it is because he's wanting us to see not only his wonderful grace and forgiveness to us, but he also wants us to see how very unlike him, we are in a, a lot of our relationships. In other words, he's showing, he's really reinforcing. In other words, he's, he's showing Peter 
that Peter, you're more like the unjust servant than you are God in your relationships. That's kind of scary, isn't it? That there's that, that, that tendency. So, so, let's, so let's break down the parable a little bit. So now he gives us the parable. The parable has three scenes. Scene one is the king. Scene two, and, and what the king does in relationship to his servant. Scene two is the servant and his relationship to the other servant. And scene three is the warning that God gives. So let's look at scene one. The scene one, I, I, I think if you wanted to put a, like a, like, okay, what's his point here? The wonder just put the wonder of God's forgiveness, verses 23 through 27. Here's scene one. And what happens in scene one is that the king knows he's got this servant. He calls him in and he says, you owe 10,000 talents. Now, that doesn't seem to, you know, when you say 10,000 talents, and maybe it doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, it would take a person 40 years to earn one talent. It was the highest denomination. So 10,000 talents would take him how many lifetimes to pay off? He'd never be able to do it because he can't live that long. <laughs> I mean, you know, if he lives 80 years, he's got, he maybe to made two talents at, at the max. In fact, to show you how big this sum was, King Herod the Great brought in 900 talents a year. So for him to, so, so King Herod, it took King Herod 11 years to bring in 10,000 talents. From all of his kingdom, that's Judea, Galilee, uh, that would be Samaria, uh, Syria. He had like five or six different territories. And what this, what the, so this man, apparently, it sounds like tax evasion, doesn't it? <laughs> Did he win the lotto or something? You know, I, we don't, we're not really sure, but the point is, is that he's, he's in arrears and the king's saying, look, you got to pay up. And the guy's looking and he's going like, you know, he's pulling it. I mean, he's probably like me. He's looking at, you know, I've got a little bit of change and a few dollars in my pocket, you know. But, but there's this, so there's this picture of ho the hopeless human condition. This is the picture. In other words, God comes to us and he's ready to settle the accounts. The wages of sin is death. And what happens? We're totally lost and unable to pay the debt. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay the debt of sin. The wonderful thing about the king is that the king basically, I mean, notice it first. He says, well, just, you know, take the man, his wife, his children, sell them into slavery. What, what's interesting is the man's reaction. I'll pay you everything. There's no way he could ever pay that debt, Right. 10,000 talents. It's unpayable. The, the, I mean, think about it. The human condition is this. We're lost in sin. We have a debt we can't pay. And the only one, I mean, we, and all that we can do, and the servant says this, Lord, have mercy. That's the only thing we can plead with God when it comes to our salvation. Lord, have mercy. And, what the, and so, so basically, the king does. He just shows mercy. The man's forgiven. It's, uh, I mean, what's amazing to me is that the man's reaction after he's received that forgiveness, he goes away and he, and he grabs one of his, uh, somebody else that owed him some money and he's trying to choke the man to death. Uh, his, his blindness, his, 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 I mean, even just the fact that he's just been forgiven all of this debt and, and released from that, that bondage and yet 
his attitude is not great gratitude. Wouldn't you think he'd be grateful? I mean, I would. I mean, think about it. If somebody just said, hey, oh, your mortgage on your house, no problem. It's forgiven. I'd be like, are you serious? <laughs> can, can I see that in writing? Could you sign here? I want to see your signature because, you know, I don't know if the bank will take that. But the ransom had to be paid. Uh, there was a physician in London, um, true story. Um, he, uh, he served, uh, he treated many poor people in London. And he had a, a record book. He had a list of all the people that he had, he had served. And in that little book, beside the names of many of those people, most of those were people that couldn't pay. Well, actually, they were all people that couldn't pay. He wrote a little, he, he, he basically wrote, drew a line through that, and he says, forgiven. And he did that on, 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 on many of those accounts. But when he died, his wife wanted to collect on those debts. <laughs> so she went back and tried to, and they couldn't pay. And so she took him to court. And the judge looked at the book, and he said, is this your husband's writing? And she said, yes. He says, is this where he wrote forgiven? And she said, yes. And he said, there's not a court in the whole land that can reverse your husband's decision. Those debts have been wiped out. Think about it. All the sins that you've committed and I've committed have been wiped out by the blood of Jesus. That's what forgiveness is. And you say, but, 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 but what about this? And what about that? And what about, well, it's, it, it's, it's amazing when God saves us. Think about it. As a judge, it says that he takes the debt of our sin and he, and he places it on Christ's record. And he takes Christ's goodness, his righteousness, and puts that on our record. Not only does he wipe out the debt, he puts what? The riches of Christ. That's justification by faith. And then he takes, and it even says in Colossians chapter 2, I think it is, it says that he cancels our debt by nailing that debt that we have, nailing it to the cross. And through the blood of Christ, he cancels the debt. And when you stop to think about that, look, at it's not just that he cancels the debt, but then he grants us all the riches of Christ. All through faith, just, just coming to God in repentance and faith, saying, Lord, I am a sinner. I'm worthy of death. I'm worthy of your, your, your judgment. I fall before you, and I, all I can do like David is say, have mercy on me. And, and that's, what, that's what it means, that God is our judge and that he forgives. And so, um, and so that, that's, that's what the, the king is doing here. But, but what's amazing is that this man does something different. How does he respond to that? And how do we respond to the fact that we have been forgiven? Well, notice scene two. The scene two is, is kind of like I, I was sitting here, I was thinking like, wrong response. <laughs> uh, What's he do is basically we're almost shocked at what he does is he grabs another person who owes him a uh, hundred denarii, which a denarii was, was a day's wages. And he takes that man and it says that he says, pay what you owe, verse 28. So his fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him. He's begging him. He's have patience with me. I will pay you. By the way, could this man pay it off? 
We probably, well, I mean, over time, I mean, think about it. If it only going to take three and a half months or four months of working, eventually he could pay it off, right? He's not saying, he's not even saying wipe out my debt. He's just saying I can pay it. We, we can pay. You know, he could pay that, you know, because it, it's not like the, he couldn't. But the man doesn't even allow the other man to, to even do that. He throws him, he basically begins to choke him, it says. Um, then is, you know, and in fact, it says he refused and, um, and there's verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down, pleaded with him, have patience with me. I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the last debt. So, so he's, he's so angry. He's so upset that in uh, the early verse there in verse 28 there, he says that he begins to choke him. Pay what you owe. And it shows, in other words, here he is. This is how he's dealing with. In other words, if we are to forgive like God forgives us, then what does that mean about our attitude towards those who ask for forgiveness? And the only thing we can, we can understand about this, this, this relationship, Jesus is not saying this. Well, if you don't forgive other people, then you're not saved. But what he is saying that you're part of the family now. And you have an obligation to forgive those who ask for forgiveness. And there's not an exception clause here. He, he, he's, but, but there is a difference. In other words, he's saying, okay, God has forgiven you. That's, that's called salvation. That's called the judge wiping out your debt. And then he's saying now on a horizontal level, you are to forgive one another. And in that forgiveness... When someone comes and asks for forgiveness, you are to bestow mercy and forgiveness. But how hard is that to happen? Because we still daily, we forget the mercy that God has bestowed on us is something that we have to constantly be reminded of. That's why I believe that one of the things that changes people's lives is when the gospel's at the very center of your life. You have to understand that the only way you can do anything as a Christian, in other words, you're, you're saved by God's grace, and as he brings you into his family and he brings you into his kingdom, he doesn't kick you out when you sin. What happens? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. That's a parent and a child. We are in, in other words, in the kingdom of God. Once you're in the family, guess what? There's, but there's still this need for forgiveness. There's still this need for granting forgiveness. There's still this need for living. In other words, forgiveness is like the very first step to reconciliation. Reconciliation doesn't take place without forgiveness, right? It doesn't, you know, it does, in other words, there still might be things that happen in that relationship that have to be dealt with. But forgiveness becomes the very first thing that we have to deal with. Lamentations 3.22. I love this verse. I was thinking about this over the week, this, this week. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Notice this. His mercies never come to an end. His mercies to us doesn't come to an end. This morning I had to have mercy. God's mercies to you this morning. And then it says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And when Jeremiah wrote that, guess what? Jerusalem was being destroyed. 
It was being destroyed by, by, the, uh, by the Babylonians. And so, uh, and so it's, it, here he's speaking of, so when we forgive, then, then because we can forgive, we can forgive because we have been forgiven. Let's, uh, so what happens? What happens to this, this, this scene? It's kind of like you're thinking, okay, now where's the warning coming? Well, notice Jesus says here that uh, apparently this got back to the king. <laughs> and, that, and remember, the large-hearted king is as God. And who's telling the story, by the way? Jesus is telling the story. He's going to pay the cost. But notice what Jesus says here in verse 35. So also my heavenly father will do to you, every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So here again, he's talking about people who are believers dealing with other believers who have sinned, who come back and say, would you forgive me? Doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, uh, that there might not be repercussions. Um, In other words, you can't wipe out. Sometimes a person does things that, that, it doesn't necessarily absolve them of obligation. Um, it doesn't absolve them of the consequences. For example, when David sinned, by the way, what happened to his family? What happened to the baby? The baby died. His family, uh, he had two sons that tried to kill him, tried to take his throne. But, but what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, let our, our, he's saying basically we're supposed to forgive from the heart. We're supposed, in other words, forgiveness should be reflecting what the kind of forgiveness that God gives to us. And so when God relates to us as our judge, he forgives us of our sins. And then when he relates to us as our father, then he says, okay, now you are to deal with each other in the body of Christ this way. And so the part of God's ongoing work in your life and my life is to make you like Jesus, which means he's wanting you to learn how to forgive like Jesus forgives. That's not easy, is it? In fact, when Paul is writing in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, put off, and he tells us what to put off, anger and wrath and all this stuff, because that's part of relationship problems anyway. And he says, and put on Jesus Christ, put on Christ. And then he says, forgive one another as Christ forgave you. And then he goes on and he gives us a whole list in 5, 6, and 7 about walking in the light, walking in wisdom. And it's all about walking Christ-like. And, it, and, it, and so the cross becomes very, very central to the way you think. And every day of your life when you wake up, look, I wake up at the foot of the cross I wake up as a recipient of God's mercy. I wake up with an understanding that everything that I have comes to me undeserving. I don't earn God's favor. See, that's the problem is what happens as a Christian sometimes. We're saved by God's grace. We grow a little bit as a Christian. We get a little bit of knowledge and we just go around. Well, I think, you know, God should do this for me. Well, I think that, you know, I deserve this. Right? I mean... Realistically, I mean, I'm just being, I, that's the way I, that my, maybe my mind thinks differently, but, but so often that's, in other words, I've earned the right. What right? <laughs> I, I deserve this. Well, wait there. Are you a victim or are you a recipient of grace and mercy? In other words, we have to, we have to be immersed in the grace of God daily, Right? 
I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, and I, and like, for example, Jesus is, I mean, when he told the disciples in Luke, I think it was Luke 17, he says, he says, you're to forgive up to, he says, forgive your brother seven times. And the, and the disciple says, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> and Jesus kind of looked, he says, it's not about, it doesn't, it's not amount of faith here. It's just obedience. Just do it. I mean, there's a lot of things we do. You say, well, but, it's, but if I don't feel forgiveness, I can't forgive. Well, that's not forgiveness. It, you don't have to feel it. Did you have to feel good to get up this morning? Why did you get up? You wanted to, well, <laughs> you, may, you may have, I mean, like me, I mean, sometimes we have difficulty getting up, but we get up because we know that that's the right thing to do, right? But we don't have to necessarily feel that way to get up. I mean, you know, as a parent, do you always feel good about or, or going to work? You do that because it's the right thing to do. You, you need to provide. <laughs> we do a lot of things. In other words, is that insincere? No, that's not insincere. That's not insincere. You don't have to feel the forgiveness. But I think that the more you forgive, the more feeling that you will have. Because you, you'll have that, you'll, you'll sense that. I so said, what Jesus is dealing with is he's dealing with our spiritual pride. My bookkeeping department's open 24-7. Aren't you it's yours? And who are you choking by unforgiveness? This man's choking somebody. Who are we choking? <laughs> I mean, it... it, it it's kind of, I mean, it's supposed to be convicting. <laughs> it's, supposed to, it's supposed to step on our toes. It's, it's kind of like, uh, it, you know, this is not rheumatism. This is gout. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, people, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon had an elder argue with him. He says, man, I've got rheumatism, and that's a lot worse than your gout. And Spurgeon would say, are you serious? And he would say, well, well, let me tell you. He says, okay, rheumatism is like this. Put your finger in a vice and tighten it as tight as you can until you're screaming. And he says, he says, now that's rheumatism. He says, now twist it three more times. He says, that's gout. <laughs> okay, this is gout. In other words, Jesus is saying, this is going to hurt. It's not going to be easy because God has to break a lot of spiritual pride. He has to deal with a lot of our, our tendencies to feel like we are victims of other people. And we'll carry around unforgiveness for years and years and years. And he's saying, we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to forgive. Forgiveness is not forgetting, but it is a promise that you make to yourself not to bring it up again to that person that you've forgiven, that you've forgiven and not to bring it up to other people. I mean, in other words, for example, somebody's, somebody's sinned against you, and you say, well, I just need somebody to talk to. Well, I'm going to talk to this person. And then pretty soon we're talking to all these people rather than the person that, that sinned against us, right? And that happens. Uh, how many churches have been just destroyed by unforgiveness? But, in, but, but notice, forgiveness is not an end in itself. It's the very first step in reconciliation. But forgiveness doesn't remove all the consequences, does it? You know, I have a brother who uh, 45 years ago, he's 65, 45 years ago, he took a gun, put it to his head and shot himself. He didn't die, but he's been blind for 45 years. Now, through that 
incident. He was, you know, he was on drugs and did some other things. Through that event, though, he came to a saving faith in Christ. And I remember visiting, just last week I was visiting with him, and I said, you know, I said, I know that it must be a struggle not to be able to see, but you know, the first thing that you see when you get to heaven is you're going to see the face of Christ. And that'll make all the difference in all the world. You know? We're going to deal with pain. We're living in a fallen world, and there's a lot of pain out there, isn't there? But, you know, I think a lot of struggle, the people, I mean, we're, we live in a neighborhood that probably has all kinds of those types of issues going on. I mean, think about it. There's marriage, broken marriages. There's broken families. There's broken churches. There's broken society. It's, it's, it's broken. And guess what? God's answer for that is forgiveness. Not just the forgiveness that we receive, but the forgiveness. When you've received forgiveness, guess what? You can look at another person who's struggling and not act like you know it all. You don't have to beat them over with the club of the gospel. You just, you say, this is how God, you show them, look, this is what God has done for me. And this is what God can do for you. And this is what I needed and this is what God provided. And I think, you know, kind of like in conclusion to all this, I, I guess I wrote a question out. Who's the person you find hardest to forgive? Yes and no. <laughs> I, think, I think in one sense, maybe it is that we do have a tendency to think that we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. But in reality, I think it's usually some other, some other people. I mean... I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess we, can, we can beat ourselves up. I'll, I'll have to say that, and I'll agree with what Danny said there, you know, ourselves, because we can beat ourselves up. But in reality, it's usually somebody else that has wronged us, right? It, it might be family. It might be church. It might be a marital situation. It might be something at work. But we live in a world that's, that's struggling with this very, same, this very thing. Now, does that mean that, that you know, that uh, there are, like I said, there, there are still consequences but that doesn't, make, that doesn't ever make it right for us not to be willing to forgive those who come and ask for forgiveness. And you say, but well, they're not sincere. Well, I don't know where it says <laughs> we can monitor that really. But if they do confess their sin and they do ask for forgiveness, we have an obligation to forgive. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, some people can like, it doesn't mean that, okay, well, I'll absolve you of all your obligations. No, it doesn't mean that necessarily. But it does mean this is that we don't have to be burning with unforgiveness. In other words, where are the black holes in your life? Freely you have received, and it says freely we're to give. You know, that's the gospel. Freely we've received, freely we've So when you ask for forgiveness, you grant for forgiveness, you admit that the biggest problem in your life is this. It's inside of you, not outside of you. Right? Think about it. It's really about my heart. <laughs> it's really about the attitude I have towards God and, and the forgiveness that he freely bestows on me that I don't have the same kind of mercy and tenderness and willingness to forgive somebody else who's hurt me. 
and that's, that's, the, that's biblical. You know, that, that's, that's Jesus is saying, look, this is how the family is supposed to deal with sin. Now, there's a cases where that person won't, you know, you might point out that they've sinned. They might not repent. Guess what? If they're one of God's children, does he have any children he can't discipline, by the way? Hebrews chapter 12? No, he doesn't have any child he can't discipline. He'll discipline. And he'll discipline us. I think what he's saying about handing us over, I don't think he's saying, you know, you're going to lose your salvation. We can't lose our salvation, right? But what can happen? I don't think God has a mining belt, but boy, he surely can get, he can really, in other words, does he have a child he can't discipline? No. But you know how he disciplines is a lot different than how I discipline. He always disciplines in love. But he also accomplishes the purpose that he has in his discipline. And that is what? To restore us and to make us more like Christ. And in that process, you know what happens? is when God's restoring us, when we have this hard heart and this judgmental, self-righteous attitude, guess what happens? When God's restoring us, and then all of a sudden, he opens the fountain of his mercy and grace, and he begins to show us how much he loves us, and we begin to just weep, and we say, Lord, I, I didn't realize I looked so ugly and so, so, so disgusting. And God says, but I love you anyway. Because you're my child and, and, I, and I want you to, in other words, our worship is being destroyed by our lack of forgiveness because you can't enjoy God's mercy when you're holding on to your grudges, when you're holding on to unforgiveness. I can't, I mean, it just, it just, it, it, it shrivels up your worship. And like David said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. Why? Because David wanted to worship again. He wanted to sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch like me. When God opens your eyes to even, even our, our dullness, our, our, our tendency to not want to forgive. And when God disciplines us in those matters and he, he humbles us and he shows us our sin. Guess what? It's not to destroy us. It's what? To restore us and to make us uh, enjoy his presence even more. May God give us that kind of a response. Uh, to his forgiveness this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would uh, drive it deeper into my own heart, Lord. Um, This is not just about other people. This is about how we relate to you. And then, Father, how we relate to those who have hurt us, those whom we've sinned against and those who have sinned against us. Help us, Father, to apply these truths in the family of God, we pray in Jesus' name.